Welcome to our Medicine 360 podcast. My name is Jimin Han, and I am a medical student studying at the University of Bristol. Today, we will be talking about what MSF is doing in South Sudan to combat HIV and AIDS. I'm here today with Dr. Batali Isaac. He is a South Sudanese doctor working with MSF OCR, and he's currently located in the Lankian Hospital in South Sudan. As a medical student who aspires to join MSF one day, it is an honor to have you here talking with us. And for those of you who don't know, MSF stands for Medicine Sans Frontiers, or Doctors Without Borders, and they're a humanitarian organization which is aimed to provide medical assistance in crisis situations. Thank you so much, Dr. Isaac, for joining us here today. Could you tell me a little bit about your journey through medicine? So why did you choose to join MSF? Well, uh, actually, when I was a medical student, I started in Uganda. And then 2019, I came back to my country in South Sudan. We had uh, students that were there, graduated before us, and uh, some of them joined uh, MSF, working in South Sudan. So they told us a lot about MSF, what they do, and uh, especially in region where there's less of medical care to the people. Uh, we don't have really much the health services. So MSF come in to work and, uh, and help the community in that place. So when he told me about the clinical work they do, the support they get from MSF, the support from the team and the advisors help them to do decision making, they really inspired me and uh, I wanted to work with them. So that is really the reason why I really wanted to join and work with them. Which finally, I got the job in 2020. So I started working with them. And uh, I think actually I got so much fun and uh, it was really so interesting. And those are the things that I, I really enjoyed with MSF. People that, that they come with a different experience, you, you stay with them, you learn from them, and also you give back to the community. So it's really very nice to work with MSF. And from what I'm aware, you are working specifically for HIV within South Sudan, is that correct? Oh, actually HIV is the department I'm the MD in, but because we are four MDs, uh, I can't just do HIV alone. I also come to the inpatients, see other cases, malnutrition, pediatrics, adult uh, medicine. Then specifically for the department of HIV, I'm the one responsible there. So could you describe exactly what you do in a day in a life as an MSF doctor? Well, uh, the day starts um, uh, when patients come, we do the work round, especially the MDs. They start by the inpatients and then you go to outpatients. So in the department of HIV, we have both the inpatients and the outpatients. So mo- some of the patients you will get in the ward where in, it depends on your ships. Like sometimes I could work in the pediatrics, I could work in the uh, nutrition area or, or in the adult medi- uh, adult patients. So it really depends on where you're posted to work and you'll be in that work, supporting that work for some specific time, then you rotate to another work. Uh, that's how we do. And then in the afternoon, it's really more of you also have to support in the in the in the art patients because they also come mostly in the afternoon, and you will be able to see uh, in the morning mostly the clinical officer. We have the clinical officer in the department. They see those cases, so in the afternoon you go and support with the difficult cases. So, what specific medical services does MSF provide for HIV? 
for example, ART therapy and testing? Well, I, I think it is for HIV, we, we really start with the counseling, which is the main part for this treatment, really. We have the mental health supporting the counseling very much. So we have the counseling session, which helps in the testing. So those ones that are tested negative, we, we counsel them really like encourage them to stay negative, behavior change, all this. And those ones that are tested positive, then we continue counseling and we link them to care, which is providing uh, medication for HIV, HIV uh, antiretroviral therapy. So that's what actually we do for that. And then we support with the, with the nutrition, like we have the plant nut uh, we could give them. And uh, sometimes we give the food, which was brought from WAP. So we give them that one and uh, the prophylaxis. Uh, prophylaxis is what we, we give for these patients and uh, yeah, or treating opportunistic infection like TB, yeah, mostly TB that we treat here and uh, Kalazar uh, lesminiasis is very common here. We also treat that one and the Willie MSF is very equipped supplying us with the medication for all this actually. And you mentioned ART therapy. Could you describe a little bit more about that, what that is for people who don't know? Well, uh, ART therapy, <laughs> it's really the medications that help the viral load really to come down. Those are the medications normally they are used in combination. Right now, three, three medications, and they mostly it's a combined one, which helps in adhering issues. So it depends on the age. We normally like giving lamivudine and we give tenofovir, dolitegravir for adults most times. And even now we have the dolitegravir for children we also use. And it has actually helped with the TB patient. And for children, we have the abacava and the lamivudine, which is there, and the zidovudine and lamivudine, uh, and the lamivudine, which is also combined. Uh, plus, you can use. Uh, the DTG, which is Dolitography, uh, and uh, you can also use Lafenabil uh, or Ratanavir. And you mentioned lots of counseling and mental health, so what kind of effect does that have to do with a disease like HIV? Well, it is a lot, a lot actually, because <laughs> here that is the main part if you don't cancel somebody he will be here and the next month he will not be around so you really need a lot of counseling of this patient and the patient education is very important for adherence really issues for them to understand the medication for them to understand their status for them to understand to disclose to others for support purposes and uh, yeah it's really really very important so we do every every opportunity that we get every visit we do this counseling which is very important for them so it sounds like counseling has a lot to do with education and you mentioned if someone tests negative for hiv you do a lot of preventative activities to prevent them from getting hiv in the future so could you describe what this kind of education and preventative precautions that you take look like yeah, actually, mostly we, we talk about safe sex, which is by using condom and uh, really knowing the status of your partner. It is very important. We encourage even some people to bring their partners for testing, ideally. 
so that even if you're going to have unprotected sex, then you know your status very well. The, the condom is what we really emphasize, like for the young people use condom. Uh, and they will try to avail this condom as much as possible in the hospital premises for, for easy access. This is so interesting because for us living in countries like the UK, the condom and safe sex is such a common knowledge. So does this come as new news for a lot of these people in areas that don't have such a strong safe sex education? Well, this is really new, yeah, and uh, condom use is really not very much, but uh, people don't use it because uh, mostly sex is for production, so less knowledge about use of condom to prevent many STIs, and uh, it's actually very difficult here, so you really have to try your best to, to talk about it and uh, link them where they can get this. So it is really talking to individuals, talking to group about use of condom and the, where they can get them from. Mm. And I just want to ask you, because I've never spoken to someone with an experience like yours, could you share your most memorable experience since joining the MSF, something that's really interesting to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> yes. Uh... In April, I have this patient that was brought in the adult ward. This patient is really wasted, was very weak, was carried to the hospital with HIV positive. He actually knew his status before. We begin telling him this is this is the problem. You have HIV and uh, because you never got treatment, uh, that's why you're in this condition. Right. Which he, he accepted. So we started treating for TB for a while, two weeks, and then we started the ARTs. So when we started the HIV drugs, uh, he kind of improved. We also, because he had actually multiple things, he had anemia, he's also malnourished, so we have to support him with planting out and at least feeding. And then uh, we also transfuse him, and then we cover with some antibiotics as well. Then for a while, he started now to sit up on the bed and uh, gaining his energy a little. This patient improved, and uh, we we asked him now moving around the beds in the ward, which he did. We didn't want him just to be lying on the bed, so he tried a little until to the point he was able to move around the ward in the hospital. So we asked him, he's a little better, he can walk with a little support, and we asked him, okay, we'll be supporting you from OPD, so you go to the nearby area, where your relatives are, we stay there. So you will come and we give you the drugs. We continue counseling, which he agreed. Right. But remember, this patient came when his skin color was different. He was more brown and uh, you will not, it's actually wasted. So I went for leave. When I came back in July, I phoned him in the OPD. So he's kind of having this radiant, this smile on his face. So he was happy to see me, but me, I actually forgotten him because he gained weight. He's actually much, he, the skin color changed. Then it took me a while to recognize him. Then when I recognized, I was so happy and he was happy to see me. It's really so amazing. He came alone and uh, he actually bring his wife for testing, which he willingly actually wanted. Uh, he said, okay, he's going to bring his wife. And the other wife left somewhere, but if as soon as the, the other wife returns, he will also bring for testing. 
So he's on the care, he's uh, wow. benefiting from the service, and he wanted to bring his wife to know the status. He's really so much, I'm actually happy for that. And it really does come to show how important like this education is to show them that coming for treatment is a good thing and it gives a positive effect in their life. So it's so amazing to hear patients actually come back to receive treatment. Yeah, actually it really is, it's not really about giving the medication, it's about continuous counseling, educating the patient really to know this, the, how important is to take this medication, how important they should know their condition is not a death penalty, how important they should disclose to the, to the family for that support that they need and how important they need to be coming timely to collect their medication or send somebody if they're not able, but come to the hospital when they're unwell. All this we put in that counseling session to them. And uh, yeah, in the first day you may not understand and if you repeat again and again and again, and somebody really get the message. And you mentioned that some people may think that HIV may be a death sentence and is something that should be really scared and hide. I've heard that even here in the UK, that HIV is something that's very stigmatized against and has a very negative and false preconceptions. So in South Sudan, what kind of challenges does this impression of HIV create for people? Well, uh, yes, people consider this one, there's no cure for it. You know, like uh, there's low understanding about HIV and the medication. So people understand there's no cure for this. If somebody has not understood HIV very well, they will start to avoid this person as much as possible. So because we have the outreach and uh, would ask what is their understanding about HIV? So under the effect on these people, so somebody who is HIV positive, you find that some of them will not want to shake hands, they will not want to share certain things, even the knife. <laughs> it is really isolating this person and the, the person will not feel well. So disclosing to the family become a problem for this care. Even continuously coming to take medication becomes a problem. Even sometimes they will ask, you don't have to tell anybody and they will prefer one person to be seeing them so if they go to another facility it becomes a big problem to even to disclose to another person there you find that the care is really not up to date because of that so it's really a lot a lot of problem and it's so sad to hear that most people like to hide their diagnosis of hiv because obviously that affects the spread of hiv and unprotected sex and i've read so many stories for example there's one of about a girl called Zoleka Lobi that's on the MSF website. Yeah. And she talks about how her family, her brothers died of HIV. And she believed that if she was faithful and married safe, that she would be safe from this disease. But it never occurred to her that her husband actually also has HIV. And when she finally went to a treatment action campaign, she was so surprised to see so many people wearing t-shirts that say HIV positive and talking about this so outwardly and positively and understanding that it's not a death sentence and it's not something that she needs to hide. And there's treatment to live with this disease forever. Yeah, we're saying about people really to disclose this and here is still a difficult thing because the community never understood it fully. So with the outreach, we are starting really slowly. We encourage the people just to start with their family, 
and to the trusted people that they want disclosing this to them and they bring them actually to the healthy facility so that we are able even to talk to them about it if the husband is positive we encourage him to tell the wife and i mean to, for him to disclose it to the wife and bring to the facility and then we educate her more about what the husband needs and the outreach outside there help to target the community leaders really to to understand about hiv and it's not a death sentence and uh to support the, the community because if the leaders are involved understanding the whole thing then they, they they start to see hiv like this way way out there's a cure for it even if not a cure but if your viral load is very low and uh, your cd4 is fine yeah that is really almost a cure so you mentioned with your outreach that you try to get your family involved in getting your leaders to come into the outreach and talk about this. So what kinds of things does MSF do to help improve the understanding and make people more willing to talk about it and get treatment? Well, uh, really the community awareness. Uh, the community awareness is what outreach does. And uh, mostly they will ask, they ask that from HIV TV also to be involved in that and they're really talking about it to the community, talking to, to leaders really about HIV. And sometimes when you go to homes, you find that the husbands are in the market, the wives are in the hospital, I mean at home, you talk to them about HIV. You, you involve the leaders, you talk to them about HIV and the service that we have available. So this really helps us to make people come up and support people who are HIV positive, they will not look at this person in another way. And another thing that we also have in the hospital, we, we encourage those people who are who understood the HIV, who are having good adherence to come. We have like a support group patient, they come once in a month, uh, depend if, if these mothers who are PMTCT and in the antenatal, they have their day. Uh, the general HIV group have their day. So we encourage all of them to come and uh, we, we give a topic, we talk to them about, and they also, people within the HIV patient encourage others to, to talk about how they overcome those challenges of taking medication and how they look now. So encouraging, especially the new one or this one who are defaulting, uh, yeah, encourage all this. So that's really what we do. Yeah. Mm. Could you describe how people are being isolated in their communities? Yeah, uh, most uh, in the community, like I mentioned earlier, is really when you're HIV positive, uh, they will not want to share things with you. Uh, the food actually staying with you because really the knowledge is low and the people think you will spread it to another person. So maybe they will contract it from you. They think if you disclose, so you will be neglected like that. You will not share with the community. You will not be involved in community activities. So you really feel isolated and it's really not nice. Right. As far as I'm aware, there's lots of violence and crises and conflict and flooding. So how does this affect people's access to care? And how does MSF manage this to ensure that people can continue to receive treatment? Yes, like now we have floodings. So access to hospital is really a difficult thing. Some people, they don't stay really where the hospital is. They can stay a place where you can take one hour walk with the water. Somebody will take two hours or three hours to, to access the hospital. Uh, some people even stay very far where you can walk three days to come to the hospital. But with the water, it will take very long time. 
uh, this is during rainy season in dry season uh, they are tribal conflicts where areas can be attacked and people they run somewhere they can be displaced and that is also another problem so you don't know when you're displaced you don't know where you go sometimes you will go very far where access to the hospital is a problem so if it is hiv you will run out of drugs you don't have medication if you are unwell nobody can attend to you which is very bad and if access to the hospital because of flooding you find that it's a, a difficult thing this person cannot walk it really affects adherence and those problems have been happening for long so the way uh, msf does is when we predict that uh, rainy season is starting we give you drugs for three months to six months drugs that we agree with you as individual your preference you said okay maybe in three months i'll be able to come or four months i'll be able to come then we give you medication for that long then you go with them home so when you take and uh, we will ask you once the rain season has stopped you will come and maybe take some medication or we do some tests to monitor how the drugs are working in your body that's actually what we do we also during the dry season in the conflict area we normally ask people to have when we give you drugs maybe for one month or two months we give you additional runaway package so that when you're somewhere in the process of looking to get access to the hospital you should be having some medication that you take so that by the time you have time to come to the hospital still you have some medication that's what we normally do and this is happening mostly in the dry season right now we also have the uh, community-based health care where we have this service of hiv medications are there and the basic hiv testings are there and if we want to confirm or do viral load we'll send to the lankan hospital there those people who are near there they can be able to access medicine from that side other than walking three days coming to lankan uh, to get medication we also give them the cards we encourage them if you have a son uh, or anybody stronger can come and take the medication no problem so some of them if they are not able to come they finish their medication somebody bring the card to the hospital we give them the medication and they take to them wow i didn't realize that there was so much involved and i didn't realize how much conflict could affect care yeah this must take a big toll on msf as well because having the amount of drugs and treatment on the ready to give to people in case of conflict and floods must take so much energy and so much resources for MSF. Yeah, yeah, they are really doing their best because this problem has been happening and really if you want to help somebody you really have to address the problem and they really try to do this and kind of really maintaining to supply a lot of medications especially in the rainy seasons, yeah. You mentioned earlier how it's really important to change people's mindsets mm. on the treatment. So how does MSF promote lifelong adherence to treatment and empower people to stay on top of their treatment to continue to come in and receive treatment? Well, when you have the support group, that this group who are new who come to join and hear from those one who have been there for a while they get encouraged how these people pick up some of them have stayed since 2019 some of them have stayed for long some of them have had children who are hiv negative they talk about this it will really encourage them those ones who are new uh, those ones who have adhering issues really we need to get why they cannot come in time and get this medication and it really is individual you really have to talk to them and some of them they will say distance 
so this then is a factor so we address it by giving you long uh, long supply like three months six months drugs we give you that you continue taking and you will just come we monitor him that is really some of the things that we do so that they stay and the other factor that we do is the awareness in the community really we have to do the awareness in the community very well if these leaders understand if the general community understand that there's a care somebody is not now afraid of hiv people will willingly be coming it's really really inspiring to hear about your story and personally before i even applied to medicine i used to watch lots of videos and documentaries on msf so as a doctor who is an msf do you have any words to any aspiring medical students who are looking to join msf in the future and come to work in countries such as South Sudan? Yeah, like uh, really, especially in South Sudan, I think uh, working with MSF is very, very good, actually, I must say, because since I finished, uh, I'm not actually the same. There's a way you would look and think that when you first came. So there's a lot, a lot of support. Uh, trainings are there. You are not left alone. You're given these trainings to do and there are protocol to follow. There is a team that support you and there's also telemedicine and there is advisors who can guide you. So you're never, never alone. You're there in front line and uh, you're the first to see these patients and you take to the team and you take to the advisors if it is difficult. So in return, you learn a lot and you gain a lot of skills in this. It's actually what most of us want to do. And that thing of providing good service to the community and the community in need, that you give the service and somebody become well and you put a smile on that person's face, is really, really good. So some medical students should come. So you will really lack no support and you have your career on really growing well. Well, thank you so, so much for giving time to talk to me about your experiences in South Sudan. I found this super, super inspiring and knowledgeable and made me think a lot more about treatment, that it's not just the medical side of it, it's also education and really thinking about the source of the problem. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so (laughs) much. (laughs) Really to hear from me. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. If you would like further information about any of the topics mentioned in this podcast, please visit the Medicine360 website for any details. Additionally, if you would like to donate to MSF to support their cause, links to that will also be provided on our website. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast about MSF and their work in South Sudan to combat HIV. (music) 